0: I can see the demon in you. Doesn't wanna come out and play. I can see the demon in you. Doesn't wanna come out and play. Everybody say fuck this shit. Fuck this shit. Fuck this shit. Fuck this Everybody shit. say fuck
1: this shit. I fuck this shit.
2: FTS Podcast brought to you by FTS Network. It's your boy Dre back again. As always, we start the podcast one way. Thank you for taking the time out to listen to it. Thank you for all of the interaction, all the feedback, everything that y'all do. I appreciate that more than y'all even know. Um, so y'all are super dope for that. Um, if you're not already a subscriber so you can get the extra content, you know, go ahead and drop me that $4.99. You get an extra episode every week. You get access to a whole bunch of episodes that are from before. It's like 50 episodes at this point of bonus content that you're getting. You know what I'm saying? And uh, Make sure you subscribe to the YouTube and all of that good stuff. If you watch this on YouTube, shout out to you. Go find us on your listening platform and go follow it on there. And go leave five stars somewhere. You know what I'm saying? That five star shit is big and important. I need that. I need them five stars. I need them shares. I appreciate you. Um... That's it, man. There's a link in the description of the show. You know what I'm saying? In the show description. It'll take you to all the stuff. It's real simple. Like, I like how I like to get it. I like to keep it simple that way. It's easy for you. You feel me? Um, man, this week. This few Life been crazy for me, y'all. I've been all over the place. It's uh, Y'all know I got kids, so it's back to school. I've been looking at your little ugly pictures of your little ugly babies with their little dusty clothes. No, not really. I feel like that's such hating ass energy. Like Whenever I see those posts come in before it's time for back to school and I'm seeing all these, oh, I don't nobody want to see your kids on their first day of school. Like, yes, people do want to see my kids on their first day of school. Like, you may just be a hating ass motherfucker on my Facebook, but my friends and family are on here. And I don't live in the same place with them. And they actually love to see my kids grow up. And it makes them feel like they're still connected in some kind of way, even though we have a whole bunch of distance. It's wild. Even some people who I don't, I'm not that close to. They're just not haters. So they do like to see pictures of my kids. And I'm not, what's wild about that is my kids are at such weird ages right now. I'm not even doing no, my my Bree just went to 10th grade. Blaze is not in school yet. And Brie is, Bri is not taking no pictures on no, oh, let me get a picture of you in your outfit before you go to school. She's mad annoyed by that at this point. She wants to go with her friends and be fly at school, which I fuck with that. That's I respect it because that's where I was at at that point. Me and Brie bond on some shit like this, right? So I see Brie the first couple of days or whatever, and I'm like, you know what I'm saying? You like, So she goes to school on a Wednesday. It's the first day of school. So she goes school. She goes to school Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. You know what I'm saying? I make sure whenever I see Bree. That I'm like, you look nice today, you know what I'm saying? I like your outfit, whatever, whatever is going on. I always try and make little comments, you know what I'm saying? That way she can feel a little fly when she walk out the door, you know what I'm saying? You, you need that little boost, like, okay, bet, I do look good. Somebody said it, right? Um, But usually what's ironic about that is I see Bri at the end of her day. But whatever, still, the thought, it's the thought that counts. But so, I'm telling her, I'm like, I've been seeing you, I've been seeing you fly, going to school, whatever. I'm like, you know what you should do. She's like, what? I'm like, you should start spacing those new clothes out. I was like, because I know you still got a bunch of new clothes. I know you still got new clothes. I'm like, but you still got old clothes, like nice clothes that fit or whatever that still look good. I'm like, so what you need to start hitting them with is like Mondays. You need to come. You need to come Monday fly. Then like Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday kind of wear some old looks some shit from last year you know what i'm saying maybe put it together a little different than you did last year or something or you know whatever but just kind of you know coast on them and then friday boom hit them again you know what i'm saying with some with them with some fresh drip you know what i'm saying then you're gonna be then you gonna be hitting them like that for you know what i'm saying nigga the foreseeable future niggas is gonna be like Every Monday and Friday, they not even going to realize it. Her little her her little friends be listening to this sometimes. So they might, they might now might be a thing. My bad if I fucked up the game, but it is what it is. And they got to get this, you know what I'm saying? I got to get this content off. Sorry, man. You know what I'm saying? Like I said, like I told y'all, don't be bullying my baby because you be listen to the podcast or else I'll tell your parents all the shit you ain't supposed to be doing. I'm snitching. I'm telling. Right now, I don't even know y'all parents, but I find out. It's easy. I go up to the school, fake tears, bruh. I pull up to the high school, I don't know what's going on, you know, Breeze and choir, I just thought that she would be around, such a good crowd of kids, maybe I wasn't paying enough attention, I'm just letting y'all know, it could go left, leave my baby alone, anyway, uh, but yeah, you know, my whole point to her was, you know, you gonna stretch your shit out or whatever, first week goes back, she's like, you was right, she was like, you because I seen her on like Wednesday or something like that. I was like, you look at that. she was like, see, even you didn't know this type shit. You know what I'm saying? Like these are old clothes. I'm like, see? See? But that's how me and my oldest, I feel like that's how we like connect and bond. When like school first starts, we have like such a unique relationship. I know some parents and some kids are like they do all the typical, you know, we go school shopping together and we do you know, we take pictures before school and I take you on your first day and, you know, all this stuff. And me and Bree just, that's not really how we get down. That's not our relationship. We do it different. But it's still, you know, it worked for us. Um, Speaking of that, y'all, I ain't even going to cap. She smooth sent me some school supplies to order her from Amazon. Forgot until just now. That's what happens when... You're the oldest kid of like a young dad. But like I had Bree when I was 16. And even though now I'm 32, I'm an adult. I'm still just like rounding into form as an adult. So something like not getting the school supplies, that's some shit that I would still forget for myself. The fact that y'all, I need, I need to, my baby needs a doctor's appointment. We ain't been to the doctor since we moved to Houston. I ain't even gonna lie to y'all, bro. I think she done had physicals for school because she was playing sports. But it's it's just not been. I'm tripping, y'all. I know. I know. I know. Don't nobody say shit to me. I know. I'm gonna put it on my calendar because I'm adapting into adulthood. Recently, I got a calendar with a schedule and shit. You know what I'm saying? Matter of fact, so y'all know I ain't bullshitting. I'm going to put it in the calendar right now. We're going to take a brief pause. And I'm going to schedule me in breeze. Hold on. Calendar. For tomorrow. Okay, y'all. So check it out, y'all. I work all day. Tomorrow and Tuesday. But I'm off on Wednesday. So Wednesday, I'm putting it in right now. Wednesday. Task. Schedule. Doctors Appointments. Boom. Boopity scoop. Y'all just watch me become more adult. Because that's really out of pocket. That me and my baby ain't had no uh no doctor's appointments in this length of time. Uh but whatever, we healthy though. I think. I think cause y'all seen i I seen something about uh i seen that uh, article about dr dre having an aneurysm that aneurysm like they're talking about it i almost killed him he was like bringing in his family members and i don't know that one has to do with the other but it did make me think like man black man we don't take good enough care of ourselves and i can't let that trickle down to my babies um so you know we're gonna i got it don't worry <laughs> My whole point was, though, uh, for real, though, like when you this age and you have kids that are that age, you trying so hard to navigate the regular parts of adulthood. It seems it's easy for other people to look at it and say, oh, you just not responsible enough. you not this enough. But when you really think about it, I have spent my entire adult life having to in some way care for another child or another person. Like I've never had zero stakes. I've never had a position where I could just completely let it all fall apart. Because at the end of the day, I always had her. But that in that ch- doesn't always translate into what social media and stuff would make want you to believe. It will what what people would like to say is well. Because you had that motivation your whole life, that's why you grind hard, da da, da, da da whatever, whatever. It's like, yeah, you try hard, but you still make the same mistakes based on the information that you have. So, when you don't know how to manage money, you don't know how to manage money because you have a kid. You just have a kid and don't know how to manage money. So, you have to learn all that stuff real time. And so, you're dealing with life, learning life on your own. And... It's unrealistic to say that you don't have, um, moments where your kids end up missing out on or lacking because of that. Like, and that's the, I got a solid support system. You know what I'm saying? I've always done decent for myself, whatever, whatever, but it's hard. And it's something I feel like a lot of people don't really understand. They don't really factor it in and they see it through this lens. That's just not really what it is. And it's not, it's not, it's not as though you have this ball and chain on you that just keeps you from being able to reach success. It's not that it doesn't having a kid doesn't change who you were. I was I was talking to this girl I work with and said something about how young I had Brie and she literally asked me did I graduate high school and I was thinking, Of course I graduated high school But I'm really smart. You know what I'm saying? I'm I'm of course I graduated high school. I'm exceptionally smart. And So for me, having a kid wasn't going to like derail my life to the point that I wasn't able to attain something that was not really a big goal for me. That was standard issue. I was supposed to graduate high school, but I could imagine how if you were someone who was trying your best to graduate high school and that was really something that was difficult for you to get through. And that wasn't something that your family had a history of doing. Because it's crazy that we don't think about it like that. But there's still people who come from families who did not graduate high school. My dad dropped out. I know my dad dropped out. I do not think that nigga has a degree. I think he has a GED. I might be wrong, but I don't think I am. So there's people who come from families where neither parent graduated high school. And all this other shit. So when they just trying to make it to that. Having a kid is like, it make it impossible to get to that next step, right? Where you don't do that. If I don't have Brie, do I go right to college after high school? Maybe. Because I was kind of like on the fringe of that. But even that is kind of, I don't know. It's just, there's a no way to, put A and B together to be able to say that like, I would have definitely done this. And then also there's no reason to say that I would have succeeded in that environment just because I wasn't aware that I wasn't mature enough to handle it. Because in truth, if I had a higher level of maturity, there's other things that I would have been able to do faster and get taken care of. And other mistakes I wouldn't have made. I wouldn't have been barely making it through high school as smart as I am if I was ready to go to college. So You know, whatever. I know that was a long little caveat just to say that. Basically, me and Bree's relationship is so different because it almost has to be. You know, we talk about that all the time. Blaze will always look at me as dad in a different way. When I think about my mom, this is a perfect way to put it because I'm my mom's oldest. When I think about my mom, I think about Catrice, a person who is my mom. I am well aware that my mom is flawed. I know that my mom makes mistakes. I don't think I don't think my mom is above me giving advice to. You know what I'm saying? And I mean, I also seek advice from my mom regularly. You know, but I don't feel like Devin feels like he could, like, give my mom advice to be like, hey, I feel like you should be careful about this or look out for this or whatever, whatever. Because that's his mom. And Cameron and Rissa definitely don't feel that way. But me and my mom have that different kind of thing. That's kind of how me and Brie are, where we have that different level of where, I mean, like she's not an adult now. When I wasn't an adult, I wasn't comfortable doing these things with my mom either. But when I'm 50, Bree's going to be 30. It's not going to be, you know, she's a kid. She's going to be a fully formed adult. So, you know, whatever whole thing is our back to school is different than y'all's. That's the advice I gave her. And now you know all of these different things about how I feel about being a teenage dad. I think it's kind of a, mm, I don't think people understand it that well. I would be curious to talk to other people who had kids Mm. as young as me. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll make that an episode. I haven't been doing polls lately. Um, Maybe I'll make, I will make that the poll. Um, High school. Sorry, y'all. Y'all know I got to do that. If y'all watch the YouTubes often, if you watch them all all the way, you know that I have to do them little stops sometimes because that's where I'm going to put that ad on there for them people who listening on Spotify. You feel what I'm saying? But, um, uh, no, yeah, that's going to be the, the poll. If y'all want to see an episode, me get maybe one or two other people on here who had kids in high school, real young. Kind of talk about how that impacted their lives, their relationship with their kids. I think that'd be interesting. You know what I'm saying? Tap in on the poll. Let me know. Um. So y'all into the show, man? There's been quite a few things that I have seen lately that I want to talk to y'all about. And uh, let's start with the let's start with the shit about black people because I'm a black people. Uh, black couple sues after home valuation rises nearly $300,000 when shown by a white friend. Before I even read this, y'all, it's wild to me that this is still... I did not think this was a real thing. I thought this was a one-off. I swear to God I did, y'all. I'm not even gonna cap. I thought this was one of those instances where some black people okay so let me let me rephrase it i didn't think it was a one-off in that appraisers were appraising the homes of white families higher on average but these big ass numbers though like i think the last one was i don't remember it was like a a lady in florida and her shit was like 150 200 grand or something like that that's what that's what i thought was a one-off these big amounts that they're getting under appraised because the family's black. I, I just didn't think we were gonna keep seeing that because the appraiser doesn't really stand from what I understand. Maybe I don't know enough about how this works and y'all absolutely feel free to clue me in if I am if I just don't know what I'm talking about. But I don't feel like the appraiser stands to benefit from under appraising a home like that in any way. Like, does, is there some way that they get a kickback from that, you know, like who benefits in that in a way that they would? I don't know. I just don't see it benefiting them in any way. So it's just like really, I am in a position to fuck some black people over, so I'm gonna do it. That's tough. Uh, system, uh, systemic racism in postbellum America has meant that black families have been subject to racist housing policies that make uh, making it harder to own homes and accumulate generational wealth. Uh. A pair of Johns Hopkins University professors filed suit. Bruh, Johns Hopkins University professors. So they balling. They might not be like balling, balling, but they regular, but they They rich to they today. They, I don't know they, the history of their family, but in the typical right. dynamics of a large black family, I know they nigga rich. I know they rich today, people. When they go back to the family re, reunion, they not the broke auntie and uncle. Their house got underappraised by 300000 so it was worth a lot. You know what I'm saying? More than three hundred thousand. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. They doing good. They doing good. They doing good. I'm just. This is all of. Uh, a pair of Johns Hopkins University professors filed suit against a real estate appraiser and mortgage, an online mortgage lender, accusing them of valuing their suburban Baltimore home at a drastically lower price due to their race, according to court documents filed on Monday. To be told in so many words that our presence and in, and. In, our presence and the life we built in our home brings the property value down. It's an absolute gut punch, Nathan Connolly told the New York Times. Connolly and uh, Shaney e. Mott sought to take advantage of low interest rates last year and refinance their mortgage, believing their 2,600-square-foot, four-bedroom home to be worth more than the $450,000 they paid for it in 2017. They had already sunk well over $30,000 in renovations. The home prices had been creeping higher and higher during the pandemic, but an initial appraisal returned a value of just $472,000. So their house, so 22 grand more. Their refinancing application, which had been approved pending a valuation of $550,000, its estimated value, was ultimately denied. Obviously, they're trying to refinance their house for what is worth now, but the appraiser is saying that it's not worth that. And they're like, and they're knowing, I'm not, without even reading the rest of this, y'all, straight up, okay. So they live in Baltimore. I live in a, I live in Houston, the neighborhood that I live in right now, the house that I rent right now was worth 200, they wanted to, they wanted to sell this house for $250,000, but we rented it. We rented it. The sign, when you come in my neighborhood now, and this is before the pandemic, or this is during the pandemic that we moved here. Actually, we moved here in the middle of the pandemic. But when you move in, when you pull into my neighborhood now, the sign coming into my neighborhood says homes three fifty and up. This house that I live in right now, I'm so sick that we weren't in a position to buy it because the house I'm in right now is worth a hundred bands more than it was when I moved into it just off time. And this is not that big of a house, not not as big as the house that they're talking about. It wasn't worth the initial investment that they put into it. They initially put four fifty dollars on it. So their house was worth $200,000 more than this. With the way the housing rates are rising, they were, they were underestimating themselves. They were underselling themselves, saying the five fifty. dollars I know they were because that's, that's less percentage-wise than my shit done raised. And they live in Baltimore. I know the cost of living is more out there. So everything is raising faster out there. That's crazy to me. That's wild. I'm just... Just off top, before we even see what it was, because I I I didn't even read the details. If This is one of those you can read the headline and you like. I pretty much you know. Anyway, um, okay. The initial appraisal return to value was just four hundred seventy-two thousand. Their refinancing application was denied. Whatever, whatever. Suspecting discrimination, Conley and Ma arranged to show the property again, but this time a white friend poses as a homeowner. Frame photographs, and staged the house, uh, offered other hints that the family, (laughs) that a white family lived there. The house was valued at $750,000. Okay. I know, this is why I ain't shit, y'all. Because I know right now what I should be thinking is, what I should be is black outraged at the fact that they went from Three they went from 472 to 750 just off the strength of the whiteness. But when I read the line and other things to hint that the family was white, so other than (coughs) other than pictures, what did y'all do? (laughs) I just want to know what was the things that made that's about to be, and that's about to be white clues i'm about to start putting new things on the on the feedback too on the spotify i want y'all to really start messing with that because i'm about to i want to know what were the white clues in the house what was the clues that they left for the appraiser to let them know that they was like when he opened up the refrigerator was it filled to the top with mayonnaise did they have like did they have like animals on the furniture they had like they was like you gotta get your dog but you gotta let them be on the couch like you gotta let your and I had the dogs in the bed or did they have like what's some other white stuff? Velcro? Did they have Velcro shoes? They have Velcro shoes sitting around. You know what I'm saying? Because white people like Velcro. I think the sound, the it's <laughs> like I think they fuck with that. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it reminds them of. You know what I'm saying? Uh what else? What's other what's some other white things that they could leave? Did they just leave like credit cards with, like, high rewards points, you know what I'm saying? So they'd be like, oh, they definitely got some high credit in this motherfucker. They was like, they left the uh, American Express, yeah, they sat the American Express out, because that's the, I ain't gonna cap it, y'all. As a server, when a nigga hand me an American Express card, I'd be like, I see you, my brother. I see what you doing out here. I see you got this white folk money. That's what I see. You feel what I'm saying? So, um, I don't know. Is that what it was? Did they? Is it is it America? Is America Express? What else? What else is it? Did they? Uh, what? What? I don't know. Y'all gotta tell me. I, y'all really gotta. I, I need that in the comments on 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 Spotify. If you listen on Spotify, I need you to hit the comments. I need to know what. What the other? What else did they leave around the house to let the appraiser know that it was white people other than the uh, lifetime supply of mayonnaise. Did they put, like, a, a unseasoned chicken? Uh, they, they're, like, like you know, finished baking chicken. Like, why is he's coming? Like, oh, yeah, we were just finishing up. They put it up there. It's just, like, pale as fuck. You know what I'm saying? I'm sorry. I'm, I'm just trying to think what, you know what I'm saying? I'm mean, I trying to think, of like, some of the things that's been on white people do this. Like, was it a teacher who was, like, fondling a, a student at the table? Because it was, like, because it's always white lady teacher fondling student. Or was it, like... You know what I'm saying? Guns. Guns. Boy. Guns. That's what they had. Lots of guns. I'm sure. Gun safe. Okay, y'all. Back to the story. I'm sorry. I got sidetracked again. Um. Okay, so after the white family posed and, and made it, and whitened it up, whatever that means, uh, the house was valued at 750000 dollars The professor's uh Lawsuit targets Maryland-based 2020 valuations, its owner Shane uh, Lanham, Lanham? whatever, and LoanDepot.com for what they say are violations to the Fair Housing Act and other discrimination laws. Uh, Lanham conducted the first appraisal. Court documents claim he undervalued the home because the plaintiff's race and their home location adjacent to a black census block, notwithstanding that it's also located within homeland and affluent, mostly white neighborhoods. Um, LoanDepot.com then relied on Lanham's ale- uh, alleged skewed appraisal when they denied Conley and Mott's application, even though one of the company's loan officers assured the couple there would likely be no problems. The $550,000 estimated value was pretty conservative, the employee said, according to court documents, but Lanham put his estimate around $75,000 lower than that. I don't know if they have a real case against the company, They definitely got a case against that bitch-ass appraiser. I only say because the company didn't tell them, no, everything the company said was true. And without the company coming out there to see it, I would assume that they figured, like, y'all didn't tell us that y'all's house is fucked up, basically. You know, like, you're saying that your house should be worth all this money and an appraiser comes out there and says it's not, y'all probably fucked that shit up. The inside of your crib is probably all fucked up. And this is online, so I mean, they don't know for sure that these people are black. They probably do, you know, especially if they talk to them on the phone. The, I'm so, I'm, I'm going to say it anyway, but they're college professors, so maybe they don't sound black on the phone. Because you know, there's some people who you get on the phone with them, you like, oh, are they white, or they black. And sometimes you'd be shocked, but most of the time, you know, but I don't, I don't ascribe to that, but I said it though. Uh, anyway, uh, yeah, but anyway, yeah, that's why, that's all I'm saying. Cause they're right. That is pretty conservative. The, the online company, if they were saying, I mean, it's $200,000 under what their house is really valued. It's mad conservative. But anyway, the husband and wife had been present along with their three children when Lanham toured the house court documents say literature by black authors Mott is a lecturer on literature and Afri- Africana studies, <laughs> and a Black Panther movie poster could be spotted around the space. Ooh, you got that Black Panther? We gotta get out of here. <laughs> Connolly, an expert on, of course, Connolly, an expert on historically racist housing policies, wrote a detailed letter with Mott, objecting to Lanham's appraisal. But instead of engaging, the LoanDepot.com officer stopped responding to the plaintiff's phone calls, court documents claim. Ooh, that's why they on their head. The couple then decided to apply to a different loan lender, Rocket Mortgage. This time, they whitewashed the house before the appraisal, removing many of the indica that a black family lived there uh such as family posters and their children's drawings of black people replacing them with items borrowed from white friends, court documents, state, plaintiffs enlisted white colleagues to be present when the appraiser came and stayed away from the house himself. The home's value shot up. The couple went with the second loan lender, but by that time interest rates were higher and they would have, uh, higher than they would have been if they hadn't encountered any problems in their initial home valuation. And that's true. If y'all remember, um, that was going on they were having the uh when they were trying to get the inflation down they uh they start increasing the um the interest rates because they had reduced them during the pandemic because niggas was broke so they had the interest rates low 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 that's why everybody was buying cows is buying cars whatever whatever and that's what shoots the market up now they're trying to slow it all down so they start raising the interest rates again so nothing had to happen with these people's credit or anything for the interest rate to not be the same anymore. It could literally just be a function of timing, literally. And also, it's the floor of what federal interest rates are. So it's not like the company can really, I don't believe anyway, that the company can give them the interest rate for less than that. I think it has to be at a certain level. I'm not that I'm not sure about. Um, as far as like taking care of it. Um Conley and Mott allege in their complaint that Lanham believed the black family did not genu- genuinely belong in Homeland, <laughs> which is located north of uh, north of Baltimore and around 78% white. Their story echoes that of a black couple in California who conducted a similar experiment after their home was initially appraised for $995,000 after whitewashing the property was valued at $1.48 fucking dollars. That's crazy. That's crazy. The couple, Paul Austin and Tanisha Tate Austin, are expected to enter into mediation in their lawsuit against their appraiser next month. They're going to win. Systemic racism in postbellum America has meant that black families have been subject to racist housing policies, making it harder for them to get blah, 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 blah. Um, yeah. Last fall, the Department of Justice announced an effort to combat discrimination um, also filed a statement of interest in the Austin's case earlier this year saying combating housing discrimination, including bias and in appraisals is a high priority across the federal government. Um, so um, a few, few quick things on the end of that. Um, first of all, this is one of those things when I feel, feel like white people who don't get the concept of white privilege really have to sit back and take consideration of white privilege is not anything that you individually as a white person can cash in in individual moments and are always experiencing 100% of the time. There are moments where being white does nothing for you in a situation, even in America. There may be stretches of time where being white does nothing for you, even in America. However, because of the history of literal white supremacy that America was built on, and America is not that old of a nation, 1776, That's not, it's like, we're not even 300 years old yet, y'all. We're not even 300 years old yet. Like, it's not, America is like five generations of people old. It's not that, you know what I'm saying? Like, we're not going way, way back to where these things started. There will still be remnants of those things today. And in those moments, when you are white, you will, you will reap the benefits. And if it's a thing that gives you benefit like this, you will reap the benefit. If it's a thing that was specifically targeted to harm people who are not white, then you will not feel that because it was, it was designed for you not to. And if you happen to feel it, it will be on accident. You know what I'm saying? There are, there are white people who grow up in school systems that are like wild underfunded, right? But the way that school systems are funded is like a remnant of segregation and integration and all of those different things and like a concentrated effort to deny black people the services that white people were given. So if you just happen to be one of the poor whites who got lumped in with the blacks, it doesn't disprove white privilege. It doesn't doesn't take any of those things away. It just means that in this case, you didn't get some of it, but you can still get more of it later because it could come at any point in time. It could come at any point in time. It could come from you going to buy a car from someone who just respects you a little bit more. So they're not trying to fuck you as bad because they don't think that you don't, you're not capable of or not deserving of. And like these instances show you that those people really exist for someone, to undervalue your home by 300 grand they see an issue with your existence basically they don't feel like you are worthy of what white people are worthy of and because they've gotten that position they now have the power to do that and yes there absolutely can be now the way the world works black people who have those positions and who may choose to to wield their power in that way but just statistically speaking, first of all, it's equally fucked up. I'm not fucking with nobody black who's trying to fuck over all the white people they can on the way out. Because white people used to fuck us over. I'm not with that shit. If you going out your way to make sure that no black people get fucked over around you, I'm with that. If you cutting a little harder for the people who look like you, I'm not going to lie, I can fuck with that. But if you going out your way to fuck over some white folks just because you got the power now, that's trash. I'm not with that. But there's just... Positions of power, you know, executive positions, corporate positions, all of those highly dominated by white men in America. That's white privilege. And boom, that goes with the housing market, too. And with housing in particular, the way that housing builds wealth, that's a huge thing. You know what I'm saying? Not being able to buy a house. Yeah, My grandpa being in the military, getting a home, not, not getting a VA loan, you know what I'm saying? Because whatever, whatever. And I don't know if my grandpa got a VA loan or not. But I know that everybody around that time I know that if he did, the people who was before him didn't. um anyway, we're done with that. um let's let some people talk for me because I don't want to talk. I got a story for y'all because this shit is crazy because this shit has been happening bro. Why do they keep dropping these kids off at the wrong bus stop? We've literally done a story about this on the podcast. I've seen other stories about it since they are they losing the babies they literally are losing these kids that it's because of the shortage of all of the, the teachers and the support staff for school systems. we got school systems are underfunded. All of that goes into this new shit that's going on with school choice and just the overall sentiment that genuinely what I'm starting to feel like is that in America, we are so set on saying something can't be fixed or something can't be done that we absolve everyone of trying to make it work. Until everything falls apart because the way the public school system is crashing is crazy to me that it's not a we have to get this done thing. There's literally an argument in place where, well, public schools are fucked up, so just pull your kids out of them and send them to charter schools as though everyone has the same ability to do that. What if you don't got a car? What if you can't get your kid to the school? What if you work? What if you don't, you know, like there's just so many different things that just assume a level of privilege and access and resource that everyone does not have. And it's taking education away as something that's fundamental that everyone should just have. That it as as though it doesn't benefit the entire society for everyone to be more educated. That's one of the craziest things about it too. It's not even some... Oh, only a certain segment of the population will benefit. Like, no. Everyone benefits when everyone is smarter. Look how bad we got fucked off because y'all niggas don't understand science. Because motherfuckers is walking around here thinking you get viruses from 5G towers because they don't understand what virus is. So, yeah, education is important. But anyway. Let's watch this. Let's, let's, let's about students being dropped off at the wrong bus stop after school.
0: Yeah, on Wednesday we told you about a five-year-old girl who was left at the wrong location. That was an A-Leaf ISD. The school district there said its bus driver did not follow the proper transportation protocol and will no longer drive for the district.
2: Tonight, Aldine ISD is addressing the same safety concerns. A student in that district ended up on the wrong bus and was dropped off at the wrong location.
0: KPRC2's Devin Clark is live in North Harris County with that story. And Devin, this little girl is six years old. Six, Keith and Daniela, just a few years older than a toddler. And after her first day of school, her parents waited for her right behind me, where the bus was supposed to drop her off. But when she wasn't on it, the mom went scrambling and found her little girl miles away, alone and shaken.
3: We sent our daughter off to school. Everything seemed to be fine.
0: But when Eric Reynolds' six-year-old daughter Olivia didn't come home from her first day at Anderson Academy, he says the bus driver uttered words that made his heart drop.
3: Goes and check every aisle just to make sure. And so, yeah, your daughter did not get on the bus.
0: He says his wife immediately scrambled to find her.
3: She just so happened to see my six-year-old daughter.
2: it made the picture small. Okay, look, y'all. It made the picture little whenever I paused it. But I paused it because y'all gotta see. Look where they dropped this little girl off. That That's not her neighborhood. That's not her apartment complex. They dropped her off in the hood. There's little things in Houston in particular you could kind of tell when you're looking at the hood in Houston. They do a good job of making sure you know what you're looking at. I'm about to hit play. When I hit play, it's going to blow it all the way back up. Y'all, really, look at this. Look where they got this baby.
3: On the corner of Garden City Apartments.
0: Two miles from the bus stop where little Olivia should have been left.
3: That zip code alone has over 3300 uh sex offenders
0: olivia's parents say she suffers from a condition where her body doesn't produce the stress relieving hormone
3: so she cannot be left in stressful situations like that and um so this has greatly impacted her um She's, she's traumatized.
0: The family believes this happened because the bus driver did not check to make sure that she was on the right bus and her teacher failed to fill out a bus tag with information that could have prevented this from happening. He says her distasteful response made matters even worse
3: when she came in and you know and she was like bagged up in the corner and lying and and see finally when she got back to the corner she was like well I'm, I'm sorry.
0: But with Houston being a major hub for sex trafficking of minors Reynolds says sorry isn't good enough. In a statement, Aldean ISD says that it's removed Olivia's teacher from further dismissal duties for the rest of the year and that the Transportation Department has taken corrective action against the bus driver. But Reynolds, who is pursuing legal action, says he wants everyone involved fired and he thinks that the school should equip all students with tracking devices so that this never happens again. We're live in North Harris County tonight. Devin Clark, KPRC2 News. Oh, scary for any family. All
2: right, y'all. I've been over here. I've been Googling. I ain't even going to cat. I'm over here looking at... Y'all,
3: this Garden City apartment. Hold on. My restroom ceiling is leaking.
2: It has milk. What we looking at? We looking at Garden City Look Apartments. Right now. Why are we looking at Garden City Apartments? Just because I wanted y'all to see where they dropped my baby off. How y'all doing? This is Keith. This is This is how they got this niggas garden city apartment okay hold on, hold on. we're gonna let that girl live she was just at garden city she probably just she probably just tagged it. she was just there but that's what i just i knew they dropped that baby off in the hood that's the whole reason why i had to show y'all them apartments because i ain't want to make it seem like i was looking at the people in the picture like oh they look ghetto even though maybe that is what i thought but i had to at least be right if i was gonna make a and assumption like, oh, the people out there look kind of hood. I at least had to look up the apartment complex and check it out and make sure that it really was hood. It is. They just dropped my baby off in the hood. What talking about? And did you hear the video? He was talking about she got like a disorder where she can't calm herself down. Basically, so she basically standing there just frozen in panic. I cannot, bruh. And then he talking about when he talked to the lady at the school. She that be the thing. These. These people at the schools, bruh, they be so unwilling to take accountability or just act like human beings sometimes. It's not all of them. It's definitely not. But the school, the school system is just one of those places where you're dealing with children. You're dealing with people who need to be handled with care in such a way that to have personalities like that is just unacceptable. It's almost akin to having shit cops. You know, of course there's good police officers, but you work in such a sensitive profession that the ones of you that suck and the fact that so many of you suck makes it seem like overall y'all suck. Because if to be protecting and serving, I would need to feel protected by a majority of you. You know what I'm saying? For kids to feel nurtured and cared for, I would need to feel that way from the majority of the people in this building. But I've been to I've been to public schools. I never felt that way in a school. There were always select people in the school who I felt like gave a fuck about me. And it got progressively worse as I got older, like in elementary school. Part of it is because I feel like you're young, but you feel like only a few of the teachers don't fuck with you. You know what I'm saying? Even the bus drivers, like you might have one or two mean bus drivers, one mean cafeteria lady, but the mean people stand out by high school, the nice people stand out by high school. You know, the few teachers who you do like the one lunch lady who you do fuck with the one bus driver who you do like. They be treating you all like shit. You be feeling all fucked up. So yeah, as a whole, that I, it sucks. And it's under, underfunded, obviously, and all of these things. That's why they don't have, they got bus drivers who don't know the kids. That's wild to me, not knowing your bus driver in the elementary school. My bus driver was my grandpa in elementary school, y'all. Before my grandpa was Mr. Wilson. I got my grandpa the job because Mr. Wilson got sick and died. Mr. Wilson drove the bus until he couldn't drive buses no more. That nigga was, he shouldn't have been driving the bus the last two years. Mr. Wilson hit something every day. Mr. Wilson hit a curb, a a damn near, a a stop sign, a ditch damn near. Mr. Wilson hit something in that bus every day. But he got us to school and he knew who we was. He wasn't dropping us off at Garden City fucking apartments. And then I got my grandpa a job on some player shit. But anyway, um... Yeah, that's wild. I just wanted to, I just had to, I just had, I saw that story and I had to talk about that because they've been doing that shit a lot lately and I just don't know what I would do in a situation where somebody didn't drop my baby off on accident talking about oops, are bad. Um, What else we got? What else we got? What else we got? Some Russia shit. Um, we ain't talked about this at all. I feel like we forgot that Russia and Ukraine was even at war. And by we, maybe me, I got a job. I got two kids. I've been doing shit. It ain't really been in the news like that. They've been acting like it ain't that deep, but it's still a full-fledged fucking war over there. And clearly you see it is because niggas is doing wild shit. This is, my I. My dog to, told me about this story at the job. And he was talking about how Russia's talking about it's a war crime, da-da-da-da-da, because... Uh, they got, because a daughter of one of Putin's allies got, got killed, got blown up. When he was telling me, I was thinking like they attacked the location, like Ukraine attacked the location. And as a, as a result, um, and as a result, uh, What you call it? Uh. I was thinking that, um, I'm sorry. <laughs> I got sidetracked. I was thinking that they blew up like a location trying to get Putin's homie and his daughter was there. Which is still fucked up, right? But that's some war shit. That happens. And also, this will be coming from Ukraine to Russia. And if I'm Ukraine, it's on, bro. Y'all came in here beefing with us. We a sovereign fucking nation. We over here minding our business, trying to live, nigga leading, nigga grain producing and shit. We fucking trying to get into the European Union. We trying to get into the motherfucking uh, g- goddamn uh, United Nations. We trying to get down with the get down, bro. We're not fucking with y'all. We trying to do our own thing. And y'all gonna come over here with the guns and the bombs and kill the babies? Y'all been hitting us with war crimes from day one. So, no, niggas is not tripping on if they got to do a little, um, what I'm trying to say. They not tripping if they got to do a little bit of, uh, you know what I'm saying, war criming to get back at you. They like, fuck y'all. That's what I was thinking at first, because I was just thinking, they trying to get somebody who, a target they need to get, and it was like, well, his kids will be there, too. Y'all, that's not what happened. I'm going to read the story. Uh... The article, A Car Explosion Kills Daughter of Putin Ally Alexander Dugin, Dugin, Russia says. The daughter of Alexander Dugin, a far-right Russian nationalist who helped shake the Kremlin's narrative about Ukraine, was killed Saturday when the car she was driving exploded near Moscow, according to Russia's main investigative, uh, investigative authority. Russia's investigative committee said it was looking into the incident and had opened a criminal murder case. The Toyota Land Cruiser went off at full speed on a public highway and caught fire, it said, after an explosive device planted under the bottom of the car on the driver's side blew up. The driver, identified as the, uh, by the committee as journalist and political scientist Daria uh, Dugina, died at the scene. It said in early evidence pointed to a murder for hire. Dugina, 29, was driving her father's car from a festival they both attended when the blast occurred, engulfing the car in flames. Uh, Dugin's friend, uh, Andre Krasnov, told the state run media outlet uh, that. I guess that's the. I, I don't know what that means. Anyway, mm-hmm. he said that she was driving another car, but she took his car today. He said he believed her father. Was the target of an attack or maybe two of them? Let's see. They got the video here. Let's see if we can play it. Oh, it says the aftermath. Okay, no. Graphic content. Ooh. Yeah, y'all. That's on fire. It's a, fu- it's a fire. It's on fire. Y'all can't see this on the, uh, damn, that's wild, y'all, for real, that girl burning up in there, that is sad, that's wild, they don't be thinking about that when they be saying that crazy stuff that they be having families, and you kind of putting your family in danger to a degree, clearly, right, uh, okay, there we go, I was trying to find the exit so I could go back to the, the oracle. Come on, cuz take me back to the oracle, cuz. Y'all we stuck on this on the on the screen. I can't get back to there we going back to the Oracle, cuz. All right. Uh uh Dugin built his reputation on the premise that Russia's destiny was to lead the United Eurasia to thwart the global ambition of the United States. He's often been credited with influencing the Kremlin's thinking on Russian expansion in Ukraine. His 600-plus page 1997 uh, Foundations of Geopolitics, in which he espouses his nationalist theories, has been described as required reading amongst Russian military and foreign policy elites. Uh, his links to Vladimir Putin are the source of speculation and occasional overstatement. Uh and the extent of their direct relationship, if any, is unclear. Although he does not hold an official government position, uh, Dugin has long called for reabsorption, reabsorption of Ukraine into Russia. And experts say his language and expansionist views of Russia's place in the world have been echoed by Kremlin and recent speeches by Putin. So basically, Putin fuck with what he say, whether they fuck with each other or not. Uh, it says in 2015, Dugin was quoted uh in the christian science monitor claiming that decision making in kremlin was obscure even to him nobody not even top officials know for sure who or what putin is listening to he said anything or anyone tells you about how putin decides things is either disinformation or error yeah you i would say that too if a nigga was running around reading my book saying that that's why he does the crazy shit he does and the world thought he was a crazy motherfucker but whatever you know Uh, Dugin is definitely anti-American, anti-liberal, anti-Western, said, uh, Anton (laughs) Shokhov, director of the Vienna-based Center of Democratic Integrity. But Kremlin or Putin do not need, uh, Dugin to be anti-American or anti-Western. Dugin's daughter has also publicly spoken in support of the war in Ukraine and Russian expansion in March. She was designated for sanctions by the United States as part of a list of Russian elites. Russian intelligence directed disinformation outlets alongside her father, who had been who had faced sanctions since 2015. Britain also imposed sanction on her in July for her support of Russia's invasion. Um. Yeah, they say her dad left the festival in a different vehicle, but referring to the scene afterwards. Um. Yeah, the blast was about 9 p.m. It appeared poised to create a flashpoint. Denis Pushilin, a prominent separatist leader and key figures in the self-proclaimed Donetsk People's Republic, immediately blamed Ukraine for Dugina's death without providing any evidence. Ukrainian officials denied any involvement in the blast and suggested it could be a result of an internal dispute within Russia. As far as yesterday's death goes, I emphasize, I em- I empathize, and oh, I emphasize that we certainly had nothing to do with it. Um, my colleague, oh, Podolyak, an advisor, the Ukrainian president, uh, Vladimir Zelensky, said Sunday on Ukrainian television. We don't even comment on this, but it's not an interesting topic for the Ukrainian special forces or special services. Um, whatever they said, they won't make any more statements. So basically, oh, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Yeah, it's not been briefed on the incident. Yeah. The America's saying that they don't know. Um. So that's wild. Russia's Russia be on that. So Russia was as mad talking about Ukraine did it. Ukraine might not even have done it. It probably happened inside of Russia. Russia's so wild. She might not even be dead. They might have made it all up. They got state run media and all of that stuff. Y'all think America got fake news. Everybody swear America got the fakest news, bro. Russia got the fakest news. Not the fakers. Russia, China, they all got some fake ass news, but they have like literal state-run media like North Korea where they make the news. Like the news is made by the government and curated by the government. That's not what we do here. As much as y'all would love to believe it, it's it's not. And I don't want to say y'all because whatever. Um... Uh, yeah, we're doing all of it. I had to man, I had to decide, I decided if we were gonna stop, cut some of this out, or do all of it, but we're gonna stop and do some of this, man. Uh, Trump's ex CFO admitted to tax evasion, what it means to accept a pricey gift instead of a salary. Um, so this is the ex-CFO of the Trump organization and basically he pled guilty to tax evasion um saying that he will cooperate with them on some later shit they're gonna give him five years and a big ass fine and I think he's not gonna have to do the five years I think he's gonna do like a couple of months or some shit so let's 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 see the former chief financial officer of Trump's family business will receive a five month five months that's what it was five months sentence I think he's gonna do the five months Five months sentence after he pleaded guilty to tax fraud charges stemming from a case involving the company's business dealings. Uh, Allen Weisselberg was accused of failing to report and pay taxes on numerous fringe benefits he received while he was employed by the Trump organization. Some of those benefits included cash to be used for trips, a rent-free apartment, expensive cars, private school tuition for his grandchildren, and new furniture. Uh... It's the kind of case that illustrates how expensive gifts received by an employee can lead to trouble when those perks aren't properly reported to the IRS. The case against Weisselberg, who admitted to participating in the alleged tax scheme with the Trump organization for fifteen years, is an extraordinary example featuring longtime high ranking employee, featuring a longtime high ranking employee of a US a former US president. Sorry, I'm Floyd Mayweather. Um Weisselberg's blatant failure to report perks he received while he worked for Trump's family business made the government's case clear-cut, said Daniel Himmel, a tax law professional at New York University School of Law. These items described as fringe benefits, Himmel said. There's not a fuzzy line when it comes to reporting them. This was just clearly tax, tax fraud. Uh, the IRS has an entire publication devoted to reporting fringe benefits that includes how to itemize special job parts like tuition payments, use of automobiles and real estate, and other compensation. Weisselberg is accused of having omitted or concealed while he was a Trump employee. The IRS is clear that tax avoidance like improperly claiming deductions, credits, or adjustments to income is illegal. Meanwhile, uh, federal tax evasion, which the IRS defines as failing to report income to or hiding it from the government, is a felony according to the IRS's crimes handbook. Each counter-tax fraud a person is accused of carries a fine of as much as $250,000 or up to five years in prison or both for corporation tax evasion carries a $500,000 penalty. And pleading guilty, Weisselberg avoided a longer sentence of up to 15 years. His plea deal, which includes a fine of nearly two million, doesn't require him to cooperate with prosecutors in their pursuit of a larger case against Trump. Although Weisselberg may still be called to testify at the trial against the Trump organization in October. Okay, so I was wrong. I lied. I thought they was going to use this to flip my man's. You know what I'm saying? They just saying that they still might get him. Um. Uh, yeah, basically, Weisselberg's case is so egregious, it's unlikely to serve as precedent for future tax liability cases, although in prosecuting him, the government will hope to deter future tax cheats. Um, This only matters because I think it's worth... It matters, uh, originally, full transparency, I was under the impression when I first heard about this that they... Reduce his sentence because they were going to use some of that information in their prosecution against Trump. Because New York is looking at Trump for some tax shit anyway. but to me, if your organization is but it's not on them to claim it. So I guess this isn't proof that they crooked. But it's they knew it's one of the things where you set it up like this and tell people like, oh, just do it this way because we always cheating, so it'll be fine. But whatever. Uh The thing that stood out to me in this article is that they said that what he did was so egregious that they don't think it's going to be precedent because they're like, people don't do it like this. Like, he basically just took a bunch of stuff that he knew he was supposed to claim on his taxes for 15 years and never did like he didn't know he was supposed to. So, you know, they're like, there's no there's no justifying that. Um Yeah, I thought, I'm not going to lie, I thought that this had a deeper connection to Trump, and that's the whole reason why I read it, because Trump is under investigation in New York, he's under federal investigation for the stuff that happened at Mar-a-Lago, for the documents that they went and took from that, he's also under investigation in Georgia for the election, uh, for election tampering, there's a lot going on with all of that stuff, and as little things start to come in i feel like they all end up being small pieces to it so i was just kind of paying attention because i thought that was a block i thought we was building i thought that was a block it's not really a block we're not really building my bad um on the other side of the coin we talked about trump let's talk about joe byron let's talk about joe byron By- biden y'all ever seen that By- byron anyway it's like a it's a Medea movie whatever as biden turns as biden turns towards midterms he may not be the top surrogate that's a really stupid uh what you call it uh what you call it i don't like the headline it's like whack may not be the top surrogate um <laughs> uh the president isn't featured in ads. He goes largely unnamed on campaign websites and Twitter accounts and candidates in key races in battleground states are either not asking him to come or avoiding him when he does. <laughs> Joe Biden on Thursday will effectively launch his midterm campaign efforts attempting to capitalize on one of his best stretches of his presidency and beginning the hard task of persuading voters to keep Democrats in control of the house and Senate. But he has also been in an uncomfortable position as an anchor for his, as an, as an anchor for many of his party but he I'm Floyd Mayweather, but he has also been in an uncomfortable position as an anchor for many in his party and for Biden, who for decades has prided himself on being one of the most sought after Democratic surrogates. It's also an unfamiliar one. He's being attacked more often in televised as than Obama was at this point in 2010 or Trump in 2018. He goes largely unnamed on Democratic campaign websites and Twitter accounts, and candidates in key races in battleground states are either not asking him to come or actively avoiding him when he does. According to the Washington Post survey, of more than 60 candidates in in the most competitive gubernatorial U.S. Senate and congressional campaigns in the country. Few candidates said they wanted Biden to campaign for them in their state or district, with many not responding to the question at all. The Post also asked if candidates wanted Vice President Harris as a surrogate campaigner for the Biden administration and got the same set of unenthusiastic responses. I feel like they have set Kamala up to look terrible. Joe Biden wasn't doing shit when he was vice president, really. I don't remember seeing much about Joe Biden, but just for all of the the hate and the backlash that Kamala took coming in. I just felt like the white house should have done a better job kind of making Kamala the face of the successes. I almost feel as though it would have been more beneficial to them to do that than what they doing now, because Joe Biden has such low approval rating. The least you could do is have it seem like all the positivity coming out was coming from one place and all the negativity negativity was coming from another. You could have split it a little bit where, Potentially, you get a lot of those. We didn't really fuck with Biden. People anyway saying, you know, where Biden may be falling short, Kamala is really pushing him on these issues, and then it still becomes a win for the Democratic Party. But I just feel like they don't they don't think those things through because by making Kamala look Kamala look weak to me, I don't see who your clear pivot is. I don't see who your clear pivot is to for the next president because Joe Biden. I feel like Joe Biden's going to run again and I mean shit because it is what it is. I would vote for him but I feel like it's irresponsible to run for president that old. But anyway, um uh no comment from the campaign at this time said a spokeswoman uh, for Senator Michael Bennett from Colorado who's a Republican target who is a Republican target in a state that Biden won by more than 13 points. That shows you how different things are between when People, that recency bias, bro. People don't remember how different it was. People really think that Biden and Trump are equal. It is just wild that they're not. Um, we have not asked President Biden nor VP Harris to campaign, uh, campaign in Ohio and have no plans to do so, says spokeswoman for Representative Tim Ryan, who's the Democratic, Democratic, Democratic nominee in a tight U.S. Senate race, pointing to a range of surrogates for Republican nominee J.D. Vance, the spokeswoman, uh, Izzy Levy added, Tim has been very clear that he wants to be the face of this campaign, and that's not changing anytime soon. Yeah, these guys, they don't want to be associated with that. Because people, Biden got such low approval rating, people are trashing Biden for everything. So, yeah, several Democratic candidates didn't say they were opposed to Biden appearing with them in their states, but they weren't exactly warmly embracing of the idea either. Well, I mean, I welcome anyone to come to Arizona and let me, you know, show them around the state and, you know, the issues that we're facing. Senator Mark Kelly said, wait, they went out their way to leave the you knows in this quote. So you feel the uncertainty. Oh, my God. Uh, He said when he asked if he wanted Biden to campaign with him. So, yeah, I mean, it doesn't it doesn't doesn't matter who it is, bro. They had to leave the stuttering and everything. Plans for a Biden Roadshow. Uh, White House officials are preparing to use the coming weeks to showcase some of Biden's recent, recent accomplishments, with, which include sweeping law. Which Oh, my God. Hi, I'm Floyd Mayweather. This is Heart Eye Radio. God damn. White House officials are preparing to use the coming weeks to showcase some of Biden's recent accomplishments which includes a sweeping law that lower prescriptions, drug prices, address climate change, and reduce the deficit. That's a, That reduces the deficit thing is a big thing. I think they're going to use this heavy to campaign on because Republicans always talk about Democrats increasing the deficit, Democrats always increasing the deficit, blah, blah, blah. But in truth, they're always the ones who blow the deficit out of the water. Um, but now we're doing something to reduce it. Tangibly, so you can actually see it done. So it just kind of takes one of their points away. It kind of cuts, cuts, cuts them off at the ankles a little bit. Um, they point to a message that Biden took on special interest to solve problems. That Democrats have sought to address for decades and they have plans for Biden to travel the country and tout his victory, sell a Democratic agenda and warn what Republicans would do with voters given the control. They believe that Biden, who they view as a quarterback of the party's policies and political future, will be a sought after commodity. A lot of these things Democrats have been trying to accomplish them for a long time, said Cedric Richman, a senior official at the Democratic National Committee and former senior White House advisor. Who wouldn't want the person who was finally able to do that to come and campaign for them? If they are reluctant, I think it's political malpractice, he added. If you don't want Biden, it's malpractice. Richmond said he expects Biden to frequent the campaign trail and he brushed aside any notion that candidates might want to distance themselves from the president. If we had a dollar for every time someone underestimated or counted Joe Biden out, we could pay off the national debt. He said, you'll see his numbers go up. You'll see the accomplishments happen. That's what voters want to see. And if I'm a candidate, I'll tie myself to that. OK. Full disclosure, I like Cedric Richmond a lot. I fucks with him heavy i like his vibe seems pretty straightforward dude i like him so um i don't want to just be predisposed to just believe anything he says but y'all let's be honest that part is true every time they say joe biden can't win he does joe biden finds a way to eke out them little wins and also not saying that Joe Biden is singularly responsible for this because I I don't believe that to be true necessarily. Um, But he has delivered a lot of things that Democrats as a whole have been trying to get done and have been unable to do. And speaking specifically to black people, I feel like it's important that we start to engage in a political process more so that we look at it more realistically in a sense of Joe Biden absolutely did not do a lot of the things that we wanted to see done for us specifically as black people. But most of the things that have been done under Joe Biden's presidency that he has gotten accomplished, talking about The Inflation Act, that CHIPS Act was going to make the prices on these fucking cars finally go down. You'd be able to have access to these vehicles a little bit more, which is a big thing helping inflation, too. You know what I'm saying? The gas prices went up. It was Biden's fault. Gas prices go down. I don't hear shit. You know what I'm saying? Stuff like that. Biden is actually getting a lot of these things done. And he's also not like tearing them down. Like the the in the 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 opposite of having of of getting a Democrat who's not as progressive as you would like in is not just staying the same. It's things go backwards. That's the reason why they just repeal Roe v. Wade, all these things. All of that is intertwined. You can't divorce one from the other in any way. So I say all that to say the Joe Biden hasn't done anything. Joe Biden hasn't done anything for black people. We will be the same under Trump. All of that rhetoric, all that. Now, that's really dumb. It's, it's just dumb. And it's super not true. And again, even if you believe there are all these other things that I want done and advocated for for me and my particular special interest group. Because as black people, we do have to start recognizing that that's what we are. We are a special interest group. Like... Like the Latinx community, like the LGBTQ community, like the gun lobby, like all all these things are special interest groups when it comes to politics. We're a special interest group as well. So we've got to start looking at all of the things that we want, the things that are specifically just for us and also just the things that we align with as a whole. And we've got to be working to get closer to getting all the things we want at all times. But not participating because we don't have a strong enough candidate that is going to get us all the way there. It's working in our detriment. It's sending us backwards and we're just going to have to pull ourselves back even farther. That's where I'm at with it. Not that, oh, I loves me some white man and I just loves me some Joe Byron. You know what I'm saying? But in comparison to Trump, I just cannot listen to black people say that Joe Biden and Donald Trump are the same for us. I just can't. Cause it could not be farther from the truth. It just couldn't. Um. Uh. Also, Biden the, talking about just like going out on the trail or whatever. Biden is actually pretty good when it comes to his speeches, bro. Not go cap. Biden get out and actually start talking. The more he talks to people, people tend to like what Joe Biden says. And even if they don't, this is the thing. Even when people don't like what Joe Biden says, he very rarely says something that people just viscerally hate. So it's just kind of like, you know, kind of eases the waters a little bit. And I think that's the benefit of Biden. I don't know if these other people are right for not wanting Biden associated with him or not, because it is the Republicans are going heavy on fuck Biden, fuck Biden. But I think Biden is okay with that because he's like, my retort to that is look at who these people are and what they've done. You know? So, uh, a Biden advisor pointed to several appearances the president has made this year with candidates in competitive races, including Representative Abigail uh, Spamberger, Representative Marcy Captor, Matthew Ka- uh, Cartwright, um, Yeah, anyway, Um, there's widespread shift towards embracing, but if there's a widespread shift towards embracing Biden, a president with more swagger and more momentum than he had a few weeks ago, it isn't noticeable yet. Campaigns hope that he sets the national tone, touting accomplishments they are proud of and running on in their own races, and that he provides fundraising help, according to interviews with aides in several campaigns, but with many owning a approval ratings that far exceed Biden's candidates do not necessarily need Biden's help. That's fair. Um, I know they were saying that about Warnock. Um, it doesn't really make sense for someone who's like doing so well to add Biden in and see like, if, if my approval rating is 84% and I'm just really shooting in the dark, I'm sure Warnock's hitting that high. If, it's, if my approval rating is 60%, yours is 40%, I don't need you. I'm already more popular than you are. I'm fine. You know what I'm saying? I could just continue to run my own race. I, I think that this should be the Democratic uh Party's philosophy going forward, period, though. That they should not lean so heavily on presidents to to campaign in Senate and House elections. They should much more focus those locally and can't and like with the actual candidates facing forward and then allow the success of a democratic presidency to be the backdrop of that if to me if i'm running for senate and i'm a democrat i'm like yo every democrat voted yes on all these things that we couldn't get past because all the republicans voted no it's common sense that we just need more of us not less of us to get more of the things that you want done and I'm leaning on that. Some version of that is every time every time I talk, that's basically what I'm saying. Because I'm already saying that I'm going to vote in line with the things that you wanted done that you're not getting done. They're not getting done because the other posters are voting for them and I can't be any more clear to you than that. You know what I'm saying? And that's, and that's what I'm running with forever and ever and ever and ever. And I think that that's what they should run with a little bit more. Um, I only got one more story for y'all and then uh, we'll get out of here, bro. This is... Hot Wheels, bruh. It's wild in the world of identity politics how somebody like Greg Abbott is exactly who these people want. He just, uh, everything shitty that happens, he's with it. And I did a, I talked about this uh, a few months ago or whatever, when he first started doing this. And... I think that I was misunderstood as to how this whole thing went down because I I still don't understand logistically how they're making it happen. What it appears to me, and I'll be perfectly honest, it appears to me that the reason why this is working to any degree is because on one end, you have Texas that treats these migrants like they are bugs, like they are literally roaches that are infesting the country. And then you have the officials in D.C. and New York where they're busing all these migrants, treating them like people and trying to find a process to get them through everything that they need to get through in order to either get sanctuary here, get asylum here or ultimately be sent back home, whatever the process ends up being from their uh, immigration court uh, proceedings. That that's a different that's a different conversation. You know, what I'm saying what the law should be and who we should let in and who we shouldn't. But treating them like people in the meantime that's bare minimum in my opinion. So let's uh let's see.
1: Of migrants to New York and other sanctuary cities is testing their already strained social safety nets. CBS's Michael George is outside New York's Port Authority bus terminal where migrants are being dropped off. Michael. Adriana, good evening. Another 78 migrants were brought here, bused in from Texas, and among them 15 children. This is becoming a regular occurrence. Now New York City is struggling to provide housing for thousands of immigrant families. They arrive with almost nothing. Migrants bused from Texas to New York City and Washington, D.C. by order of Texas Governor Greg Abbott. In Del Rio, Texas, Angie Cordero told CBS News' Manuel Bajorquez why she left everything behind in Venezuela. It's for her 10-year-old daughter. The hunger. New York City is giving families a place to stay, either at homeless shelters or in unused hotel rooms. But city officials are asking hotels to provide 5,000 more rooms. Catholic charities are helping migrants by providing food and clothing. These just aren't statistics. These are people with names and with dads and moms. Border crossings are at a record high as migrants flee crime and poverty in Central and South America. Governor Abbott, a Republican, has already bussed more than 8,000 people to Washington, D.C. and New York City. And now Texas is sharing our pain with the rest of the country. New York's Mayor Eric Adams says Governor Abbott is playing politics with people's lives. We are going
3: to provide these families with the dignity that the Texas governor failed to do.
1: And New York City just launched a program to enroll about a thousand migrant children in schools. The city says it needs more federal funds to deal with what the mayor calls a humanitarian crisis. Adriana.
2: So... That's really basically what I was talking about. The difference between when you view something as, as they described it, a humanitarian crisis versus a problem. Like the the wild thing is, is that Abbott is actually trying to make them look like the assholes. He's like, yeah, y'all keep saying that you want to keep doing these liberal laws and let all of these people come over here and blah, 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 blah whatever. Now you deal with it. And they're like, "Okay, well, we will deal with it. We seeking additional funding from the from the federal government. But even even the way that they request the funds and what they're going to do with the funds. Like Abbott's like, oh, we need more money too, so we could put more border patrol agents up here and shoot the migrants or whatever the fuck they do out there. Cause you know that they be out there sexually abusing, assaulting. You know there's so little oversight with those people. I don't even want to get into it. Let me let me let me tell it Half Border Patrol agents is is reject cops. They cops that can't be cops somewhere because of some shit they did. And even if that's not true, I would be shocked if the qualifications are higher. I, I hope they are. I genuinely hope I'm wrong about that. But I just don't believe it. And even when you just be hearing about like what be happening to the women in them facilities and the detention camps that they had and like all this other shit, it's just crazy. And and also just seeing the difference in the tone of how an administration handles a migrant overload being we in and stay in place and we putting them up in hotels and trying to find a way to put these kids in school while they're here so that they don't have this big education gap and all these other things that they're trying to do to treat these people like human beings and actually develop a system that effectively addresses this problem versus just build a wall and waste up some money, a wall that never got finished, by the way, like think about how much money Did Donald Trump waste on that fucking wall that never even got finished? I got to. I got to look it up. (laughs) So this came out. The last article, the articles that I'm seeing right now was from 2020. It says, (laughs) On the same day in May 2019, the Army Corps of Engineers awarded a pair of contracts worth $788 million to replace 83 miles of fence along the southwest border. The projects were slated to be completed January 2020. The Corps then said, uh, four months into this year, however, the government increased the value of the contracts by more than $1 billion without the benefit of competitive b- bidding designed to keep costs uh, low to taxpayers. Within a year of the initial award, the value of the two contracts had more than tripled to over $3 billion, even though the length of the fence the companies were building had only grown by 62% to 135 miles. The money is coming from military counter-narcotics funding. Um, blah, 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 whatever. The whole point was, yeah, I'm trying to see if I can find like a big number. It don't want to, uh, yeah, I could, I could read longer, but yeah, January 19th, it was at $11 billion, (laughs) which is 20 million per mile. Is how much they're paying for that border wall instead of addressing the actual problem. And that's what I was talking about. That's that's the whole reason why I wanted to bring that up. It's because you would imagine that it's two different situations. It's like, OK, you know, well, one is trying to keep people from getting in illegally. and One is how you handle people who legally seek to enter the nation. But when you think about it, those two things are so heavily intertwined. They're the same thing, basically. So how can you really say, you know what I'm saying? I don't know. How can, how can you really say it makes sense to spend $20 million a mile on a wall instead of being like, let's address the system that we bring these people in by so that it's more effective so that we can figure something else out. And even, even, and I've talked about this before too, even spending that same money on the things that they've shown actually stop people from crossing they're telling you that there's technologies and other things that they have that can address the issue that you want to address and you're like yeah but it's not a wall it's not a physical thing that i can say i did because you're weird because you're weird i read a I, i'm gonna pretty much end on this i was uh, i was either listening to a podcast or, or watching youtube or reading something i don't remember what it was but it was some republican woman talking about how It was uh, Trump and maybe DeSantis. I feel like it wasn't DeSantis. I feel like it was Trump and somebody else. And they were like, yeah, they have BDE, if you know what I'm talking about. Uh, Talking about they got big dick energy. But it's like, that's so funny how people in that realm take terms from our spaces and utilize them incorrectly. Because like, having big dick energy is not... Build a massive wall to prove how big a man I am. I always stick my chest out, yelling and making noise. Got this big truck with these big wheels. Got all this stuff, whatever. That is not what they're talking about when they say that. It's a whole nother vibe. That you're way off. It's the exact opposite. That's little dick energy, bro. That's that overcompensating energy. Whenever you gotta, whenever you gotta yell all out, the motherfuckers. Do you know what I think about when I see Donald Trump? Donald Trump. I bet he shake your hand hard as fuck i bet when that nigga shake your hand he trying to break that motherfucker so you can feel how strong he is don't nothing make me feel like a nigga i lose respect for a man the moment he grips my hand like that why are you trying to break my hand with his handshake like a firm handshake and break this nigga's hand is not the same fucking thing you idiot but whatever anyway y'all we've been doing this for an hour and a half man and that's plenty of time i feel like that solid content man i told y'all i'm on schedule i'm doing things the right way i'm doing it all for you no, <laughs> I appreciate y'all as always, man. Y'all tune in to the podcast. Uh, I have O'Neal back next week for sure. Y'all go check out the YouTube, man. Me and Freeze finishing up that uh, that series about the top 50 black TV shows. Go check that out. Still doing reactions to stuff. Me, Keys, and Freeze are going to do a little college football preview next week. Tune in to that. Uh, that's it, man. Love y'all as always. Click the link in the description. Go do all the stuff. Subscribe. Leave comments. Fucking participate in the poll. You know what I'm saying? Look at the the, the comments. Leave comments and feedbacks and all of that shit or whatever. Uh, I love y'all as always, man. Thank y'all for rocking me. Peace.
3: Yeah, double up the respect. Came through the wire, fresh out the fire. My mic checked. Leaning and rocking, feel it yourself. It's high tech. Moving pieces all on the board. My nigga trying to see. Billion. Mm. My gift to Gabonis. Escape trials and tribulations. Fighting your honor. Shark in the water. Grabbing for paper like out Nirvana. Code of honor that I follow, my nigga, is worth. Billion. Huh. Homie, fuck your greasy granny. Them, he been slapping shit so long they gotta come and Grammy him. He so fly he walk on stars. Solar systems carry him. Bank account status when they marry him. Billion. Uh, make sure you say it two times. Dre, Dre, nigga, make sure you say it two times. <laughs> Trying to see the salad with the croutons laying the folds down like futons for the billion Yeah, man, you're not tuning in. The fuck this shit podcast. <laughs>